Here are the top three items on this edition of the Cigar Dave Show. Number one, Super Bowl 57 review. Number two, what the hell is going on with all these spy balloons? Total silence from brainless Biden. And number three, a remembrance of legendary composer Burt Backrack. The Cigar Dave Show is presented by Davidoff of Geneva and their Avo portfolio of cigars, including the Avo Heritage, crafted through centuries of traditions. Avo Heritage was developed for the cigar connoisseur seeking a fuller-bodied cigar with strength, complexity, and impeccable smoothness. Savor every note of the spice-laden Avo Heritage available at DavidoffGeneva.com. And by Gurkha, the world's finest cigars, including the new Gurkha Pure Evil, blended for cigar connoisseurs able to handle a full-flavored cigar loaded with strength, power, and richness. Don't let the name fool you. Gurkha Pure Evil is pure cigar pleasure. Visit GurkhaCigars.com. This is the Cigar Dave Show with the General. Long-ash greetings and salutations, a long-ash snappy salute, semper delictatio, always pleasure. Long live the Alpha, make masculinity great again, screw the enemies of pleasure, screw the Chinese Communist Party. It is Cigar Dave, your global five-star general alpha male-in-chief, front and center from Humidor 1A, Command Center Alpha. And of course, we always will conduct litation from our skiff, our secure cigar ignition facility. Cannot be trusted, can't be too careful with all the enemies of America that are lurking above and certainly enemies of pleasure. For all I know, there could be a spy balloon directly above Command Center Alpha, Humidor 1A, trying to infiltrate and penetrate our inventory of phenomenal premium hand-rolled cigars. However, being in the secure skiff, no chance. Last night, yesterday I should say, going into last night, Super Bowl 57, the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles. 38-35, the final score for the Chiefs. I predicted that the I predicted it would be a close game. I heard people saying, oh, it's going to be a blowout by the Eagles. I did not feel that. However, I thought that the Eagles defensive line would get the best of the Chiefs offensive line and Patrick Mahomes. No such luck. As poorly as the Chiefs' offense played and Mahomes in the first half, you give Andy Reid 30 minutes at halftime to make adjustments, look out. And that's exactly what happened. So we'll get into the halftime show. I'll give you a broad opinion of everything that I saw yesterday. Uh, First up, let's start with the opening of the Super Bowl telecast. There was now, some people are saying this was a commercial. I don't believe it was a commercial. Nobody knows who it was from. People said, well, maybe Fox purchased the time. Fox doesn't need the purchase to time from themselves. They can just go ahead if they want to take out two minutes, three minutes. They can do whatever they want. And I think that's what they did with the ragged old flag. I I don't even like to use the word commercial. It was more of an intro before the game featuring Johnny Cash, outstanding very patriotic look at America. And hopefully many of the enemies of America that are within, specifically the communist Democrats, maybe they will sit back and have a greater appreciation for this country. Is this country perfect? Absolutely not. 
What we are seeing with the politicization and weaponization of the Justice Department, of our intelligence agencies, the corruption of the Biden administration, absolute miscarriages of justice against normal Americans, the demonization of free speech by the Democrat communists, and that's what they are. Let's call them what they are. Let's not beat around the bush. That is exactly what they are. The same people that say our democracy is at stake are the same people that want to take away your right to speech. Whenever they say that, no, 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 we're not about taking away free speech. We're about moderating speech. That is taking away your right to free speech. They want to weaponize, politicize, and criminalize your right and rights under the First Amendment. Make no mistake. So overall, I thought that was great. Now, let's get back to the game. Then I'll get into the commercials. Then I'll get into the delicacies that I made for a party that I attended. First up, in terms of the game, I thought it was a relatively good game. Certainly exciting back and forth. The mistake by the Eagles, the uh, quarterback uh, fumbling, and then the Chiefs defense picking it up, running it in. That's exciting. Those are great plays. My belief is this. The fewer flags, the better, unless there is something blatant. If there's a blatant hold, if there's a blatant pass interference, if there's a blatant roughing the passer, then call it. But if there's not, don't be ticky-tacky. I thought the officials called a relatively good game until the last, what, minute 54, when a defensive holding penalty on Eagles cornerback James Bradbury uh, was called. And I didn't think that it warranted. He was Bradbury was covering Juju Smith-Schuster. Did he have a hand on him? Yes. Did he impede the progress? I don't believe so. The ball was uncatchable, way, way overthrown and over his head. I thought that the referees at the time should have just stuffed the penalty. And remember, on that play, that was a that was from the Eagles 11, and that was third and long, I believe. I think it was like third and eight. Well, all of a sudden, you get an automatic first down with 154 to go, and that changes the entire outcome of the game. So for Eagles fans that are ticked, you have every right to be. For Chiefs fans that are saying, oh, no, that was blatant, eh, not so much. You got away with one. But that's how it goes in the National Football League. And look, Philadelphia had their chances, and they just couldn't get it going. Kansas City, the Chiefs, one of three teams to beat the Chiefs this year, my Buffalo Bills. And don't get me started on Sean McDermott, who I refer to affectionately as Sphincter McDipshit. I believe a head coach in the NFL that is living in an NFL from 1980, not 2023. Defense doesn't win championships anymore. Offense does. And we saw that yesterday. Kansas City, their whole game plan, we're going to outscore the Eagles. The Eagles' game plan, let's Focus on ball control. Let's keep the ball away from the Chiefs. Close game. Difference of one field goal. But nonetheless, the Chiefs outscored the Eagles, and they win their second Super Bowl in four seasons. By the way, one of the things that I did admire, if you saw the general manager, Brett Veach, of the Kansas City Chiefs, and Clark Hunt, the owner of the Chiefs, they were wearing the navy blue blazer with the Chiefs logo on the uh, on the left hand chest. 
the way that Hank Stram, the great Henry Stram, would a war on the sidelines when he was in the various Super Bowls and when he was coaching. I love that. What was it? 59 toss power trap. Boys, did you see that one? Did you see that one? He was mic'd up the entire Super Bowl. He was paid 500 bucks to be mic'd up. As he told the uh, guys from NFL Films, they said, we want to mic you up. And he said, all right, boys, let's talk about coin of the realm. And they looked and said, what? Cash. Cold, hard, green. Dollar bills. 500 bucks. And in those days, in the 19, late 1960s, that was a pretty big amount of money. So everybody was wondering, why was Hank Stram so animated? Well, because NFL Films had him mic'd up. They were wired. They wired him for sound. But I love the jacket. I love the blazer. I'd like to see the Bills. I'd love to see Terry Pagula, the owner of the Bills, wear that. I'd like to see Brandon Bean, our general manager, wear that. It's a nice look. And I'll tell you, I think the Buffalo Bills streaking Buffalo logo on a blue blazer would look so much better than the Chiefs' little warhead on their blue blazer. It would be a war between Blazers. But my Buffalo Bills would win it. But I have to give the Chiefs credit. They were the first. Love the look. I just think there's something elegant, something classy, something retro. And it really, I think, brings back the spirit of the great Hank Stram. But the game was great. Now let's talk about the commercial. Uh, First, before we get into the commercials, let's talk about the National Anthem. I thought the National Anthem was good. It didn't, a number of people said, oh, that was next to Whitney Houston, the greatest national anthem ever. I didn't think it was that great. His rendition was fine, didn't really excite me, didn't get me super, you know, through the roof, like, oh, my goodness, that was the greatest national anthem I've ever seen. It was good. But again, I wouldn't go crazy over it. Whitney Houston, still the greatest of all time, Super Bowl XXV in Tampa. I think it was, what, 19... I want to say 90, January or February of 1990, off the charts. Iraq war was going on, heightened tensions, patriotism all over the place. And Whitney Houston with the Florida Orchestra just belted that out absolutely spectacularly. Now, some people said, I thought the rendition of the Black National Anthem was great. Let me tell you what I tweeted right after the anthem. Because I want to make it very clear. There is no black national anthem. There's no white national anthem. So my tweet was, there is no such thing as a black national anthem or a white national anthem for that matter. There's one national anthem and it's the Star Spangled Banner. End of story. Hashtag Super Bowl. I would say on the replies and retweets, 99.9% of the smart people. And again, you've got to remember one thing. Alphas, we're part of the, I would say, minority. I think a majority of America and the world are stupid. They have, they suffer from SSS, seriously stupid syndrome. However, we as cigar connoisseurs, we as alphas, we do not suffer from that. We are intelligent. We are, we are sharp, up to date on current events, tremendous common sense. We get it. One comment that I received that I wanted to share with you. From a gentleman named Thompson underscore Marv. Of course, no picture on it, so he hides. After my tweet, he replies, Nope. The Black National Anthem is lift every voice and sing. You don't get to decide what black folk call the anthem. Stick a cigar up your rear. 
Now, if you disagree with me, say, sorry, I disagree. You don't get to decide. Okay, fine. I can, no problem. But the mere fact that people have to get nasty, this son of a bitch had no class to be able to say, I disagree with you. I think we have the right, and I'm assuming he's black. Maybe he's not. I don't know. He said black folk, so I don't know if he is black or if he isn't. It's irrelevant. I gave my opinion. He can state his, disagree with it, but stick a cigar up your rear. This shows you the lack of intelligence and class throughout the United States, and it's been perpetuated by the Democrat communists, the ultra-leftists. When they disagree with you, they can't just say, hey, look, let's have a debate. Let's disagree. They can't engage in that. They have to engage in, and this is Michelle Obama, remember, saying, when they go low, we go high. Bullshit. Democrat commies are the lowest form of life on the planet. Period. Well, maybe, all right, let's say terrorists. Terrorists and and uh, uh, maybe some other violent criminals. They're, they're right on the bottom. But Democrat commies, they're right there. They're on the bottom of the barrel. You disagree with them? You want to make a speech at a, or, or a, a lecture at a college? Forget it. They get violent. They get crazy. It is amazing how words, how thoughts can provoke, provoke such anger and hatred in these Democrat commies. And I was thinking, should I reply to this son of a bitch? And I said, you know, I'm not going to waste my time. But I will reply here on the show. My reply would have been, I guarantee you or any black person in the country, or white person for that matter, or Asian, or any person, can recite the first two lines of the song, the supposed black national anthem, I'm using air quotes, lift every voice and sing, let alone one sentence. I am telling you, go out anywhere and ask any white or black person and say, excuse me, the black national anthem, the supposed black national anthem, lift every voice and sing, can you recite the first line? I don't care who you talk to. The answer would be, uh, I have no idea. But if you ask him, what is the first line of the national anthem, the Star-Spangled Banner? Oh, simple. Oh, say, can you see by the dawn's early light? Bingo! If something is truly a black anthem, then you would think that black people would be able to go ahead and recite the first line or the second line or the whole thing. No chance. Because it's made up. And somebody who was black on Twitter yesterday had a phenomenal, phenomenal tweet. And he said, the national anthem has been the same since I was a baby, since I was in the military, and now that I'm in the workforce. And that is the star-spangled banner. That is our national anthem, not for whites, not for blacks, but for all. And the point of having a separate national anthem is that the Democrat communists, and let's call them what they are, I'm no longer going to be Mr. Nice Guy and say they're Dems, they're Libs, they're Democrat communists. They want to divide and destroy this country. They want to divide us. Pure and simple. What's amazing is we have more in common than we do that is divisive. Yet, what do they do? Let's, let's get divisive. Let's get specific in terms of race, in terms of sexual preference. You talk to most people and they're like, okay, you know, people are gay. Okay, great. May not be my thing, but they want to live their life. Yeah, fine. No problem. 
They, they deserve to be treated equally. Really not that controversial. But it's the Democrat communists that want to make it controversial. You're racist, you're misogynist, you're anti-Semitic, you know, on and on and on. So there is one national anthem, the Star-Spangled Banner. The guy that did it, I don't even know his name. It was good, but Whitney Houston, phenomenal. And in fact, somebody on Twitter replied to my post saying that he went and actually played the, the uh, Whitney Houston national anthem, Star-Spangled Banner rendition on YouTube, and he said his whole, the whole crowd, everybody watching was, you know, just like in awe, almost in tears. Whitney Houston, still the greatest anthem at a Super Bowl of all time. That is going to be damn near impossible to top. Now, in terms of commercials, you can never go wrong with featuring a canine, a dog in a commercial. And I think the commercial that, of all the commercials, there are a ton of horrible to mediocre commercials. I mean, I thought that the, the Paramount Plus commercial was atrocious. It was just, it was Sylvester Stallone. Oh, uh, yeah, that was a great commercial. It was horrible. Absolutely atrocious. Stupid. I thought that the Dunkin' Donuts commercial with Ben Affleck, yeah, that was good. Yeah, not over the top, but it was good. Kind of cute. But the best commercial by far, the best commercial, was the one minute and 45 second in length commercial for the farmer's dog which is a pet food company. And it's more of a natural food company. It's no preservatives, that kind of thing. There was very limited dialogue in the commercial. If you didn't see it, ran a minute 45, it, was a, it started with a shot, a video of a young girl. Looked like she was maybe seven, eight years old, nine years old, with a little puppy, a puppy dog. And she looks at the dog and says, I'm going to take care of you forever. And that's the last dialogue you really hear. And it shows throughout the years as she's growing up with this dog, how she goes through life changes, as does the dog. She grows up. She takes care of the dog. The dog goes from a puppy to a dog. You see her like in high school. Then you see her leaving for college. And you see the dog looking at her very sad. I'm almost getting, seriously, I'm almost getting emotional about this commercial. I thought it was the, by far, the most powerful emotional commercial of the entire Super Bowl. And maybe I could relate to it more so because I've always grown up with dogs. Had a dog, a German shepherd named Pasha. When I was growing up, we got him, I think, when I was six years old and actually had him for 14 years until I was in college and we had to say goodbye to him. Phenomenal dog. So I can relate is a little kid going through grade school, going through high school with the dog. And every day at 3.15, the dog would sit by the door, and we had double doors growing up, their little foyer, and the dog would wait for my mother to open up the door so he could sit by the front door with glass on the side, on the sides of the door, and look out and wait for the school bus to bring us back, my sister and I. So I can relate to that. I can relate when I went to college and said goodbye to him. And when I came back for summers, how excited, or vacations, how excited he was. And I remember when we had to say goodbye to him. It's the worst. So this commercial for the farmer's dog traces the life stages of this girl. So you see her go to college. Then you see her 
move on her own, graduates college, the dog goes with her. Then she gets married, the dog's with her. Then she has kids. Or is pregnant and you see the dog with her. Then she has her kids and you see her lying on the bed with her kids and the dog who's now advanced in years with his head on her stomach. And at the end, there was one very simple line of text. Nothing matters more than more years together. That, that I'm telling you, because I'm a dog owner myself, and three years ago, I had to say goodbye to my longtime canine companion, Sultan Pendragon's Royal Sultan. Had him for 14 and a quarter years. And there is not a day that goes by that I don't think about him. And I've got my current wonderful canine companion, Pendragon's Royal Baron, who is a wonderful German Shepherd. Phenomenal. And as I watched that, I looked over at him because he was lying next to me as I was watching that commercial. And I tell you that I felt the same thing. There was nothing I wouldn't do for Sultan, for any of the dogs that I grew up with. And there's nothing I wouldn't do for my current canine, German Shepherd Baron. I feed him the best food. I only buy him treats that are made in the United States. I, buy, I can tell you what I buy. Doggy chicken chips. The company's based in Florida. They're made in the United States. 100% chicken tenderloin. Nothing else. No chemicals, no, sh- no, no salt, nothing. They're human grade. Now, they're not even inexpensive. I think a bag of like 14 ounces is now like 42 bucks. But I'm not buying any of this shit from China. No chance. Anything with China food grade, forget. I don't trust those Chinese communist bastard pricks. And I'll get talk more about the balloons later on in the show. But I wouldn't trust anything from those sons of bitches. I want my products for my dog made in the United States. I feed him good food. I feed him treats only made in the United States. And he's very finicky. I mean, he's been spoiled. But when I saw that, that commercial, I had to watch it on YouTube after the Super Bowl. It just was off the charts. And there wasn't much, there was virtually no dialogue. It's the girl saying when, when the commercial starts, gets the dog, I'm going to take care of you forever. That was it. That's it. And at the end, not even dialogue, just on the screen, Nothing matters more than more years together. And then it fades out and the text, the farmer's dog appears. I thought that I was not familiar with the farmer's dog. Certainly I'm going to do some research on it, but I will guarantee you today their sales exploded. Great commercial. Wasn't corny. Wasn't hokey. I thought there were tons of hokey, stupid commercials. Everybody tries to be too cutesy. This was a very simple story. A girl, young girl, gets a dog, gets a puppy, and together they go through life's events. And I can relate to that. I can, And I'm sure you can too. Many of you that grew up with dogs, that have dogs now, you know what I'm talking about. You can relate to it. I remember when we got our first dog named Pasha. He was, I was six years old. And I remember my sister and I started running around the backyard and he started following us. And that's where the bonding began. 
And I remember going through grade school, going into high school, going to college, like all these life-changing events. Same with my, my, my wonderful dog, Sultan, that I said goodbye to three years ago. When I got him, the changes in life that I went through. I got him in my 30s, going into my you know 40s, and then, and actually, correction. I think if I'm not mistaken, I got Sultan when I was just, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, I was in my 40s, early 40s. So when I got Sultan, went through life changes. When my dad passed away, Sultan was there. I came back after being gone a month between being in Cleveland with my dad at the Cleveland Clinic and up in Buffalo. I came back and I opened the door. Sultan just looked at me. Like he knew with his eyes something was not right. He just knew it. And he almost had his head low because my father loved my dog, Sultan. And I remember Sultan just laid next to me. He knew something was not right. He just knew it. And the first time my mother came to visit, my dad was not in tow. He was discombobulated. He knew something was not right. He kept looking for my father, just sat on the, in, in the guest room where my mother was, stayed on the side that my dad would sleep on. It was just amazing. So we have a bond with our canines, our dogs, that if you've never owned a dog, you've never had the good fortune of growing up with a dog, sometimes you can't relate to that. And I always say the best thing for a kid is to have a dog. It teaches responsibility, unconditional love. I mean, when you have a bad day, you come in, the dog just loves you no matter what doesn't ask for anything. All it wants is your unyielding love and attention and affection. That's it. So I've got Pendragon's Royal Baron. He's always, in fact, he's right to the side here as I conduct broadcast maneuvers, but great commercial. And I also thought that the Bush's Beans with Peyton Manning, again, golden retriever, feature a dog. I thought that was kind of cute. And I thought an interesting, real interesting uh, commercial was the Tubi. Commercial Tubi is owned by Fox. They paid $400 million for it, I think two years ago, three years ago. They just received an offer for $2 billion, but they're not selling. It's free. There's great programming on there, great streaming. And the commercial they did, it. All, I'm telling you, some people, I guarantee you, were confused because they saw that the two announcers were back, Kevin Burkhart, and uh, uh, the color commentator whose name escapes me right now, because I'm still thinking about the dog. I'm still thinking about that, that uh, farmer's dog uh, commercial. But they had both of them on screen. Like they were coming back from a break. And then all of a sudden, you see on your screen, like something changing, going to Tubi, like on, you know, on a smart TV. And I guarantee you there were hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of people that said, what are you doing? You're changing this, the channel. I thought it was kind of clever, but you have to watch it. And almost like the second time around, I'm like, okay, now I kind of see what they did. So in any event, I thought that overall it was, uh, it was, uh, the commercials were okay, but the one commercial without any hesitation whatsoever, without any question whatsoever was the best, the farmer's dog by far. Now in terms of delicacies, <clears throat> what did I make? 
And I apologize, I've had allergies going on here the last couple of days. Thus, the runny nose. Temperature's been changing here in the Cigar City. Went from warm to cool, now it's back to warm. So it's driving me crazy. In any event, the delicacies that I made for Super Bowl festivities, of course, done on my smoker. First up, I did spatchcock barbecue chicken. Love spatchcocking it. You basically take the breast or the the uh, the spine out, and then along the breastbone, you press down. The chicken lays flat, cooks quicker, much more thorough cook because now you can, in addition to coating the outside of the chicken, the exterior, you can get the inside and really season it properly. Didn't take long, I think two hours total. 275, you don't touch it, you don't spray it, zero. Then the other thing that I have been itching to do for ages that I've never done, barbecue beef ribs, a.k.a. brontosaurus ribs. If you go into your supermarket and ask for short, I always thought short ribs were really small. They're not. The If you ask for short ribs, they're probably about mm, 10 inches or so long, 10, 12 inches loaded with meat on the top, loaded, super thick. It's easier than making a brisket. You get essentially the same type of brisket taste without having to make the entire brisket. They run about, I've seen them between, oh, $8.99 to about 11 bucks a pound. I did two things. There's, uh, I went to Whole Foods and I got fresh uh, uh, beef ribs, the brontosaurus ribs. I think they were $10.49 a pound. And then I went to a place called Wild Fork. Everything is frozen there, but I wanted to just try it out of curiosity. And I think the choice, I got USDA choice Angus. I think it was, oh, I think maybe, I want to say $8.99 a pound. Made both of them. They were fantastic. They were both outstanding. Very tasty, super easy. And I seasoned them up. Basically, I did a brisket rub. I did kosher salt, two parts coarse pepper, one part kosher salt, then I added a few other little secret ingredients, not, not much, and I let it sit for about an hour. Let that meat sweat. Let that salt penetrate. Let the moisture come out. You're going to get more intense taste. 275 on my Camp Chef's pellet smoker, smoke level 10, and uh, I used 100% oak. I absolutely love using oak. And I use lumberjack pellets. I think they're made in Wisconsin. By far the best pellets on the market. The best. They use the entire part of the tree, all the wood, everything's in there. I get a tremendously different taste when I use their pellets. 100% oak, my favorite. If you only use 100% oak, you'll never go wrong. Doesn't matter. Beef, pork, seafood, fish, salmon, makes no difference. 100% oak. Let the grill come up to temp. I put it on the the ribs on the upper level because that smoke really gets intense. And then on the bottom level, I had the chicken. And I do put a water pan in my smoker. I like the humidity to get in there. I don't spray. Some people like I'll start spraying after an hour with water or apple cider vinegar or Worcestershire. Nope, I don't do that. If I need to a little bit, I can do it. I find I absolutely don't need to do that. And I just basically, after two hours, the chicken came off. I let it rest, 
cut that up. Delicious. And then I would say at around the three-hour mark, the maybe three-and-a-half-hour mark, the ribs got the perfect amount of smoke. Just nice, beautiful, dark bark. About 175, 170, 175 internal temp. At that point, I pulled them off, and I did one of the sets of ribs. I did in butcher paper. I wrapped it in butcher paper. Another set of ribs, I did a foil boat. So the only thing exposed was the top, and then the foil boat, essentially, the ribs laid in this foil boat, and the foil covered all the sides. So the only thing exposed was the the top of the rib. I have to tell you, I was tremendously surprised. I'm going to start doing that with my with my briskets, my whole briskets, because you build up just a beautiful bark, but it stays moist. So both of them came out great. A little bit nicer, darker bark on the foil boat, but taste-wise, they were juicy. They were succulent. I brought them to uh, friends who I uh, just caught part of the uh, part of the game. I don't like to stay for the whole game because I actually like to watch the game. And when you go to too many Super Bowl parties, everybody talks and doesn't watch the game. That kind of detracts as being a football fan. So I stayed for a little bit. They went crazy. They went nuts. They're like, oh my, I've never seen these. Where do you get these? Most barbecue joints don't have barbecue beef ribs. And they're pretty easy to make. I think total time I had in the smoker was four and a half hours. Got to about 205, 210 internal probe tender. And when I was done, I let them sit out. I opened up the, the, the uh, butcher paper and I let the heating process stop for probably about half hour, 45 minutes. Then I stuck them in a 170 degree warming drawer for about three, four hours. And let me tell you, the meat got even more succulent. The collagen breaks down into gelatin, so it melts in your mouth. Fantastic. You absolutely should try beef ribs. They are absolutely the bomb. Now, one thing I want to do, I want to go back to the commercials. I, I thought that there were many too many commercials shoving electric vehicles, EVs, down our throats. I just thought it was a little bit too excessive. And how about Dodge Ram promoting an EV electrified Dodge Ram pickup that's going to be available late 2024, which means probably 2025. Why are you advertising that two years in advance? You think people are going to stop and not buy a pickup and wait for that? I think they did it to say, we've got a vehicle, an EV in, in, in development. It's coming. It's coming. Makes you look politically correct. I would never buy an electric vehicle. I would never, ever in a million years think of renting an electric vehicle I have zero interest in having to come home and plug my car in. And oh, by the way, it still uses power, which uses carbon because you need primarily a steady power source, dependable power. And there's two ways for that. Nuclear, natural gas, coal. You can say hydroelectric, but hydroelectric can have its issues unless it's Niagara Falls. I mean, you look right now going out at the Hoover Dam, there could be some issues going on over there. Because of the drought. Wind power, there's all sorts of problems with wind. It's not baseload energy, meaning available 24-7, 365. Same with solar. And by the way, where are the, 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 the batteries? Where does the cobalt come from? The lithium. It comes from China. 
So now we want to enrich the Chinese Communist Party even more? No, thank you. But it's almost like they were shoving it down our throats. So overall, good Super Bowl. Interesting ending. Some people said, oh, the ending was kind of counter, you know, counter, it wasn't dramatic because it was a field goal with 11 seconds. It would have been great if it was last second. Hey, bottom line is, if my Buffalo Bills got there on a last second field goal with 11 seconds, 10 seconds, whatever, and won by three, sure, I'd like to win by 30, but that doesn't necessarily happen in the National Football League. Would I have loved to have won the Super Bowl by three? Yeah, because the only thing people remember Who won the Super Bowl? They never remember the score. I guarantee you can't say, tell me what the score of last year's Super Bowl. No way. I can't remember it. How about any of the Patriots? Have no idea. Even the Bills-Giants, that when the Bills missed that last second field goal, I can't even remember the score. All I remember is my Bills didn't win. Nobody remembers the score, whether you win by one or 111. You either win the Super Bowl or you lose the Super Bowl. It's that simple. Now, hopefully next year for Super Bowl 58 in Vegas, my Buffalo Bills will be there, although with uh, Sphincter McDipshit as our head coach, I highly doubt it. And we need to start drafting offensive uh, weapons. Wide receivers would be great, offensive linemen. Start thinking in the 21st century, Sean McDermott. Otherwise, you are doomed to get fired. I personally think a year or two he's out because I don't believe he can adjust to his thinking. He's a former defensive coordinator. He thinks like a defensive coordinator. Defense, defense, defense. It doesn't win you championships anymore. In 2023 and beyond in the National Football League, it's all about offense. Or as they say up in the Great White North, offense, eh? That is the bottom line. The International Cigar Litation and Libation Ceremony comes your way next. I had the pleasure of knowing the late, great Avo Uvesian, the man behind the Avo lineup of cigars. And Avo had a great saying. He would tell me, savor every note. Well, one cigar that I can tell you, you will savor every puff, savor every note, is the Avo Heritage. It was developed for the cigar connoisseur seeking a fuller-bodied cigar. Strength, complexity, impeccable smoothness, nice notes of spice. If you are looking for a cigar that delivers... Full-bodied richness, impeccable smoothness, savor every note of the spice-laden Avo heritage. Available at DavidoffGeneva.com. Sounds of the Caribbean. For many of you in the Northeast, Midwest, winter has been long and hard. So we're going to try to give you some of that Caribbean flair. So just imagine you're on the beach. Just imagine your feet are in the sand. The sounds of the Caribbean are all around you. That gentle tropical breeze. You light a cigar and you are living the good life. So without any further delay. With an unlimited and secure supply of pleasure sticks available for the general to enjoy, it's time for National Cigar Litation Maneuvers. And of course, we conduct the International Cigar Litation Maneuvers from the skiff, the Secure Cigar Ignition Facility. 
Secure from the enemies of pleasure. Secure from the Chinese communist bastards. And I'll get to them later on in the show. But I have pulled out a wonderful cigar from one of the renowned cigar tobacco growing families and manufacturing families in the world, the Placencia family, based in Honduras, Nicaragua. They grow phenomenal tobacco. They, they manufacture great cigars. And they primarily grew tobacco for others, and they manufactured cigars for others. For example, Rocky Patel and many of the other manufacturers, the distributors that you know. But they decided about four or five years ago they were going to create their own line. Super premium, very special line of cigars, and that is exactly what they have done. And the cigar that I have pulled out to me is just a nice medium-bodied cigar. It's the Placencia 146 Cosecha. Now, what does the cosecha mean? What's the significance of 146? That number represents the 146 harvest of the family's inaugural tobacco crop of 1865. So when they came out with this cigar, they wanted to celebrate that. They've been growing and, and, and harvesting tobacco since 1865. Family's been in it multiple generations. And the leaves that are used in the cosecha 146 are amongst the best that are grown in Honduras, Nicaragua. Nice, unique flavor profile. When you blend the best crops from Nicaragua, from Honduras, you get a very nice, blended, unique, blended, complex cigar. Medium-bodied, loads of flavor, complex, touch of sweetness, very pleasant. The Cigar, the Cosecha 146, is grown in Honduras. Correction, manufactured in Honduras. The wrapper is Honduran. The binder is Nicaraguan. The filler, Honduran, Nicaraguan. Medium body and strength. Very full flavored. And I have just pulled out the La Musica. Robusto. Five inches in length, 50 ring gauge. About $11.50, $12 suggested retail. Beautiful looking cigar. Nice Colorado, like tan colored wrapper. Beautiful looking stick. They also, I should tell you, their other cigars that they make, starting with the Placencia Almo de Campo, the Alma del Fuego, the Alma Fuerte, all beautiful cigars. You can't go wrong. They have something for every palate. This is definitely for those that want medium flavor with loads of, medium bodied with loads of flavor. And the Cosecha 146 does the trick. Cigar-altering and highly sharpened leaf-exposing device. Self-sharpening, double-edged, stainless steel guillotine in my hot hand, ready for cutting maneuvers. Maximum BTU flame-throwing and heat-producing apparatus. From the Cigar Dave R&D Laboratories, I've got the Cigar Day 5-star. Five jet flames arranged in a pentagon shape. Nice big butane flames. Translucent tank. Compact, built-in piercer on the bottom of the litation device. And I will tell you something. I would never give any of the top generals or the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, or for that matter, any of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, one of these fine litation devices. Why? Because they're incompetent buffoon schmucks. Every one of them. Right now, General Washington, General Eisenhower, General Patton, General Schwarzkopf, they are all rolling in their graves at how inept, incompetent, how stupid our current leadership at the Pentagon and the Joint Chiefs of Staff are. It is beyond believable. 
to think that we're going to rely on these clowns in a time of war, they all need to be fired and get rid of this woke bullshit out of the military. It does not belong. End of story. Cigar, Cigar prelitation checklist complete. No faults detected. Area clear of all enemies of pleasure. Approval to go throttle up in three, two, one. Whoops. Didn't get a good cut on that. That's better. Didn't take enough off. I wanted to go just above the shoulders where it curves, and I went just a little bit too high. Now I've got a perfect cut. Now, let me go ahead. Toast this beautiful-looking Cosecha 146. It was in about five, six different sizes. Well, a little bit more than that now. I think it comes in about maybe oh, six, seven sizes now. This nice Robusto, five inches in length, 50 ring gauge. Beautiful. Let me go ahead and puff and rotate. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. area I need to touch up. Just a small, short area. Remember, we want an even amber glow across the foot of the cigar. If you have any black spots, you're going to have an uneven burn. We don't want that. Okay, now we go. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Outstanding. Once again, my cigar accoutrements, my cutting device, my litation device did the job. Mm. Now, this cigar mm, goes great. With our featured weekly libation selection, as always, we're joined by Tommy Diadio, Tommy D, the Senior Executive Vice President of Spirits Procurement of the Corona Cigar Stores and Lounges in Orlando, Tampa, and soon to be Sarasota, and our resident sommelier. Scotch, bourbon, beer. This is the Bold Alpha Weekly Spirits Tasting on the Cigar Dave Show. One of my favorite spirits has always been Port. Porto from Portugal. Every year at the Cigar Retailers Convention, it would always be a tradition that Manuel Casada of Casada Cigars would always have a bottle of Fonseca because they manufactured the Fonseca cigar. So we'd always have a bottle of Fonseca Port. And he and I would always have a glass. We would cheer and toast to a great convention, a great year. And that was a tradition that we always carried on. And my love of ports started just before then, but it really started to expand into vintage ports and tawny ports. And ports get overlooked sometimes, but not here. On the Cigar Dave Show in our Bold Alpha Weekly Spirits segment, Tommy... I have selected one of my favorites. And I don't know why I always gravitate towards 20-year-olds. There's usually mm-hmm. different types of vintage tawny ports, a 10, a 20, a 30, a 40. I find 20 is just the right balance yeah. for me, whether it's a gram, which I enjoy, or today, the Taylor Fladgate 20-year-old mm-hmm. tawny port. There's Fonseca. There's also Sandemans. So Coburn. Coburn, yep. Many yeah, people mispronounce the name of Coburn, but it is... It's spelled, it said some a different way. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right, so t- let's talk about the difference between a ruby, a vintage, a tawny, Tommy. Well, the, the, the vintage is a year. Everything's from that year. This is a bunch of grapes all blended together, but they all have to be 20 years old. Minimum of 20 Minimum years 20 old. Years. Ruby uses a non-age statement. Right. 
And when we look at a tawny compared to a ruby, it's going to be a little bit browner. Yep. Doesn't have that deep red because rubies aren't aged that long. You don't see it in wood. Here we've got a 20-year-old tawny port, Mm -hmm. which is, you can see that it's got almost an amber-reddish type color. Now, Tommy, Taylor, interesting story. They've been around since 16, did you say 1692? Yeah. 16, which is incredible. So they have been around for a long time. It was an time. Englishman that started it. Which right, is... exactly, in Portugal. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit more, Tommy, about the Taylor Fladgate 20. This one retails for 40. Uh, which That's it, it? That's it. That's it, not bad. I, I think, I think I want to say they mark it up like five, six bucks. It's, the markup on this isn't very much. It, it's basically stayed the same amount of money over the years. It's, it's not really... Fox and I would say much. this, to me, ports are wonderful with Maduro mm-hmm. cigars, mild to medium, maybe some full, but to me it's just very pleasant. Put this in a snifter, and again, many people just overlook the nuances and appreciate don't appreciate ports no. as much as they should. So let's say cheers, and I'll take a sip first on the nose. Wow, it's got some nice, almost plum, getting some raspberry. Let's take a sip. Oh, that's beautiful. Not overly sweet. Sweet enough. Very pleasant on the palate. Mild to medium would be great with this. A Maduro. Got to take another sip here. Mm. I'm definitely getting some fig. Oh, yeah. Always fig. Almost definitely getting some fig on here. But very pleasant. Very smooth. No after... You know, and not a lot of warmth, no afterbite, just very smooth, can't go wrong. You're getting a little more of, in this, this particular one, the, the grape flavor, which usually... A little bit, but you, not much. Yeah, usually you don't. And I'm not getting a ton of woodiness. It's no. just To me, this is just a very nice, balanced yeah. port. 20-year-old, the Taylor Fladgate 20 Tawny Port. And for 40 bucks retail, Tommy, mm-hmm. yeah. this is a steal. What does the gram go for in the, in the equivalent? They're all around the same, the Fonseca, too. The only thing Fonseca doesn't make that the other ones all make is a 30-year-old. They used to make a 30-year-old, then they got popped for their label by ATB at one time and never released it again. Tell you what, next week, Tommy, for our Bold Alpha Weekly Spirits uh, selection, I think we should go with the Gram 20 to compare. So next week we will do that, but Taylor Fladgate, 20-year-old, 20 Tawny, I give it a five-star selection. Cannot go wrong. Gurkha has long been the king when it comes to opulent, grandly-made cigars. And the new Gurkha Pure Evil more than lives up to that legacy. Gurkha originally launched the Pure Evil 15 years ago as a limited-edition cigar. They went back to their blend vault. They tweaked the blend to add more flavor, more complexity. The result is a Gurkha Pure Evil that is loaded with flavor, full-body, Full notes of richness. Habano wrapper, Nicaraguan binder, Nicaraguan filler. Don't let the name fool you. The Gurkha Pure Evil is pure cigar pleasure. Gurkha, the world's finest cigars. Visit GurkhaCigars.com. Well, our good friends, the Chinese Communist Party bastard pricks, seem to be at it again. The question is, 
all these late discoveries, the, these discoveries this weekend, we hear there's, they don't call them balloons. They're calling them objects. I heard John Kirby earlier today during the White House press briefing, pretty much a waste of time, saying that we are monitoring the skies, that we are looking for, for if we see something, we and it's a hazard to aviation. Okay, fine, I have no problem with that. But they're being very mum on what they're finding. Well, we can't get into it because it's national security, and we can't talk about our methods and our means. Well, how about the brain-dead president of the United States coming out and addressing the country or the press, go to the press room and say, listen, here's what's going on. This is what we found on the first balloon that we shot down over South Carolina, over the waters just to the east of South Carolina. This is what we discovered. We won't get into everything, but we discovered that it was indeed spying on us. It had this, this, and this. It makes no sense. Go ahead and tell us that. I see that Austin said, Lloyd Austin, the feckless Secretary of Defense, said that the one of the balloons had you know intelligence-gathering capabilities. We are asleep at the wheel. It is amazing to me how incompetent our military has become. You know, I said when Biden... Brainless Biden became the president. I said, it'll take a year. One year, the country's going to go to shit. I was wrong. It took four months. Literally, everything Biden has touched has turned to shit. Everything. The economy. Inflation. Security across the globe. The threat from the Chinese Communist Party. Look around the the border situation. And I love Kirby today saying, we're going to protect our borders. And therefore, if we see a a potential potential, balloon or object with intelligence gathering capability, we're going to react to it. Yet the southern border, people coming through, fentanyl coming through, drugs coming through, nonstop. So they're worried about the border apparently above the sky, 60,000 feet above, but they're not worried about ground level on the Rio Grande-Mexican border into the United States. It really is pathetic. They are more interested, the military leaders, I use that term loosely, the Pentagon, the Joint Chiefs of Staff, they're more interested in woke bullshit than they are in protecting the United States. They're more interested in bullshit pronouns instead of protecting the security of the United States. Do you not think that China is laughing their asses off? They're all in China going, oh, 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 oh very, very, very funny. Buena de Biden. Very uh, stupid. How about uh, uh, General uh, Mui? General Mui, very stupid. He wants to uh, learn more about white rage, not worried about worried about borders. We go bomb America. We go infiltrate, penetrate America. Oh, and while we're there, let's go pick up some mugu gai pan. Let's go pick up some uh, chicken or chow mein. They are laughing their asses off. Xi Jinping, you, somebody said, well, I don't think Xi Jinping knew about this. Some ultra lib, I don't think he knew about this. There is nothing that takes place in China or the military without Xi Jinping knowing about it. This guy knows everything. He is an absolute dictator. They project strength. We project weakness. Didn't happen under President Trump. Xi Jinping wouldn't dare pull this bullshit. 
People said, oh, well, now we're discovering there were balloons. Well, guess what? Where was NORAD? Where were the rest of the Pentagon and the rest of the intel community? Where were they? I assure you, had President Trump be made aware of this? I don't care if it was a little 10-inch balloon. He would have called Xi and say, you better knock this shit off. If not, you're going to regret it. Putin didn't dare move on Ukraine. Why? Because Trump said, you pull this shit, you'll be seeing big-time weapons coming into Moscow. Putin didn't dare. Strongmen respect strength. Alphas. President Trump was an alpha. Brain-dead Biden is beta Biden. Every member of his staff, his cabinet, Lloyd Austin is a beta. It's interesting. Lloyd Austin was the chairman, or correction, was the was in charge of CENTCOM, Central Command, general in charge of Central Command here in Tampa. Now, every general that's been here, Schwarzkopf, Tommy Franks, everybody knows in town, they, they, they interact with people in the community, political leaders, VIPs in the community. I talked to numerous people about Lloyd Austin. I think he was here two years, three years. I said, What's the story with Austin? They all said the same thing. Biggest, stiff, incompetent to lead CENTCOM. Dud. No personality. Nobody knew him in Tampa. I asked numerous political officials. I said, did you ever meet Austin? Nope. Not a one. Guy was here two, three years. Never met anybody. Nobody knew him. What does that tell you? He's a dud. That's what it tells you. And he's a dud secretary of defense. And so whenever the press asked, and they said, look, what, what, why not come out? Well, I'm doing that right now. I'm, I'm telling you that right now. But, of course, they won't talk about anything. They won't talk about the specifics. They found a, what do they say, a cylindrical or some sort of object above Lake Huron, but they're not saying. Why not come out and say, this is what we found? Now, there are weather tethered weather, or there are weather balloons that are launched all the time in the country, throughout the country. Happens, I think, every 12 hours. Every, the National Meteorological uh, Association, or the NOAA, they actually release these balloons. They want to see lapse rates. They want to see temperatures in the upper atmosphere. They shoot these up. And many meteorologists use that information. Pilots use that infor- information. Uh, so it is, it is very common. So we're not talking about those kind of balloons, but there are other type of objects, as they're calling them, that apparently have been released. But yet we have a president that can't address the the media or the country. I'll tell you why. He is brain dead. He is mentally incapacitated. Now people say, oh, no, look at the State of the Union. I'm telling you they're injecting him with something. And they're worried that he's going to stick his foot in his mouth. As Barack Obama uh, said very famously, never underestimate the potential for Joe Biden to fuck things up. Bingo. They want him hidden. They don't want him out anymore. They don't want him speaking. This is what is sitting in the Oval Office. A mentally incapacitated, brainless president. Weak. And this son of a bitch wants to run in 2024? Please. Put him in a fucking home. That's where he belongs. Not in the Oval Office. The security of the United States of America and all of us depends on having a competent commander-in-chief. 
Is Biden competent? Not by any stretch of the imagination, by any definition. And if anyone thinks that China is not our enemy by now, you better wake the hell up. For Wall Street and every manufacturing company, Fortune 1000 and Apple and Dell, all these companies that get products manufactured in China because they can save a nickel, a penny, whatever the case is, you are all contributing to the destruction of the United States, not just financially and economically, but the security of the United States. You are making China our enemy, the Chinese Communist Party, stronger by the day. Tim Cook from Apple was the executive in charge when Apple first decided they were going to move much of their production to China. He facilitated that. That was him. Now they're moving apparently, production to India and other countries. They ought to move it all out. 90% of the raw materials for pharmaceuticals made in China. Get it all out. What is it going to take? What's it going to take? The Chinese saying, we're at war with America, and by the way, we want world domination. You're dependent on us for everything. We're going to choke everything off, and you are screwed. President Trump, every morning, would tell Peter Navarro and Steve Bannon, what are we doing? I want a plan to move manufacturing. It is a national security issue. And he hounded them every day, and that was their plan. Biden, forget it. He is beholden to China. He is Xi Jinping's bitch. We all know Hunter Biden, Joe Biden. They all made millions of dollars. It's not coincidental that Hunter Biden went with Biden when he was VP over to China, sucking up to them, trying to get all sorts of deals. And the Chinese, this is how they work. They penetrate and infiltrate governments by bribery. Oh, but it's all under the guise of foreign investment. It's a bribe. Period. End of discussion. And for the Libstream media and the Democrats to cover and say, oh, this, there's nothing there. This hard drive is fake. For the last six years, the Democrat communists have been preaching Russia, 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 using all the bullshit, the Russian dossier, Trump's in bed with Putin, all nonsense. Putin, and I said this for the last six years, Putin is not the problem. He is a paper tiger. They've been at war with Ukraine for a year and he can't finish them. What does that tell you? I said all along. It is China. China is the enemy. China is the problem. We better keep our eye on China. Did the Democrat communists do so? Absolutely not. Because they always put party above country. They always put party above country. When Chinese Communist Party bombs are coming over here, only then will they say, why aren't we doing anything? I can't believe they're doing this. They'll act surprised and shocked. China, the Chinese Communist Party, is the enemy. We better wake up to that fact, and it's about to... I don't want to buy anything from China. I don't want any more Chinese shit. I don't want any more Chinese garbage products. Make it in the United States. There is no reason why any product cannot be made here in this country. Carrier makes all these air conditioners. They're making them over in China now. I'm sorry, you can't 
make them in the United States. And it's about time. I'd love to see an executive tell Wall Street, we think that our products are better made in the United States. The security for our company is better by being made by our products being made in the United States. And if that means that we miss, you know, cost us a penny or two or three cents per share, so be it. But that's how we're going to run this company. But most publicly traded executives are spineless. The Wall Street financial firms, the manufacturing firms, they are betraying this country. They are committing treason by moving all their production overseas so that we'll get caught with our pants down and say, uh, uh, China comes and says, oh, you're going to fight us on that? Well, we're not going to send you any more big uh, pharmaceuticals. Oh, your iPhones? Yeah, we're cutting supply on that. Oh, by the way, go in any Walmart or Target. 90% of the shit they sell made in China. What is it going to take for companies and Americans to wake up and realize China is the enemy and these companies have been feeding the economic engine of our enemy? Wake the hell up. If you can tell that I'm exasperated and I'm beyond ticked, you're damn right. Our politicians, specifically the Dem communists, that's all they worry about. Oh, Russia, Russia, Russia. It's China, 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 China. I'm going to say it until it's a broken Chinese record. China, 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 China. They are the enemy. And it's only been reinforced with all these objects and uh, that giant balloon that was sent over our way. Maneuverable uh, airship. Maneuverable. Stat right over our ICBMs for hours collecting intelligence. You take a look at the path, all of our sensitive areas. And Biden, being so brainless, did nothing. And then says, well, I didn't want to, you know, the debris scattering over populated areas. So we waited until it crossed the country. But don't worry. We, pr- we protected everything. They were unable to access anything. How do they know? How does he know? He doesn't know that. Should have been shot down the second it was discovered coming over Alaska. That's when you shoot it down and say, we are not going to allow this enemy espionage vehicle to come our way. But instead, Mindless is brain dead. He's either at Camp David or he's He's uh, in his Delaware home or the Delaware beach house. Nowhere to be found in the Situation Room or the White House. I leave you once again with what Barack Obama said. Never underestimate the capacity of Joe Biden to fuck everything up. Bingo. Now, lastly, we remember a legendary composer, Burt Bacharach. Some of you may be familiar with his music. Others may not be familiar with his music, but Burt Bacharach, without any question, one of the most significant, I think, pop music composers in our day. And, you know, I've always been familiar with some of his big hits, Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head, Do You Know the Way to San Jose? But I just started looking, and I've been listening to him since I heard that he passed away at age 94. And by the way, he was still composing until just about, I think, six months ago. 21, 22, he actually, I think, uh, was nominated for a Grammy, if I'm not mistaken. But his first 
song that he wrote professionally was for Nat King Cole called Once in a Blue Moon. But I'm looking at some of the big hits. 1958, Magic Moments. And I'd play some of these on the show. However, now that we're in podcast form, there are tight restrictions on music we are not can and cannot play. Now, Magic Moments, I'm sure you've heard. Magic Moments. Perry Como. That hit number four on the charts, 1958. Um, he hit another song he did for the Drifters, Please Stay. That hit n- a, a number 14 on the charts. 1961, Tower of Strength, number five. The Shirelles, Baby It's You. That hit number eight. Uh, let's see what else he's got here. Let me see. Only Love Can Break a Heart. Gene Pitney, that went to number two. And he collaborated with Hal David on virtually everything. Here's a big one from 1962, Don't Make Me Over. Don't make me over. Dionne Warwick, hit number 21. Wishing and Hoping, Dionne Warwick. That was also a uh, hit. Blue on Blue. I didn't know that. Bobby Vinton, that was a big hit. They Long to Be Close to You, Richard Chamberlain, another big hit. Let's see here. Wives and Lovers for Jack Jones hit number 14. Walk On By, 1964. Dionne Warwick, huge hit, number six. A House Is Not a Home, that was another, not super big hit, but very well known. Unknown. There's always something there to remind me. Even though Dionne Warwick performed it, Lou Johnson performed that. That hit the charts. I mean, I'm just looking at Trains and Boats and Planes. What the world needs now is love. That hit number seven in 1965. What's new, pussycat? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Tom Jones, number three in 1965. Alfie. That wasn't a huge hit, but it still was well known. What's it all about, Alfie? Again, I'm not prepared to do my full vocal rendition of all these songs. Just to give you uh, just some. The Look of Love, Dusty Springfield. I Say a Little Prayer, 1967, for Dionne Warwick. That hit number four. This Guy's in Love with You, Herb Alpert. That hit number one. Do You Know the Way to San Jose, also a big hit, 1968. Hit number 10. Promises, Promises, Dionne Warwick, 1968. That hit number nine. I'll Never Fall in Love Again, 1969. I'll Never fall in love again. He, he uh, wrote a song for uh, Engelbert Humperdinck, I'm a Better Man for Having Loved You. Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head. That hit number one in 1969. Uh, let's see. Also uh, wrote a song called Living Together, Growing Together for the Fifth Dimension. I did not realize. Here's another big hit. Number one, 1980. I feel like I'm Casey Kasem. We're counting him down. We're counting down Burt Bacharach's famous hits. In 1981, it climbed the charts to number one. From the famous movie Arthur, it's Arthur's theme, Best That You Can Do, with Christopher Cross. Hit number one, Making Love, Roberta Flack, same year of 81, number 13. Uh, Wrote a song in 1982 for Neil Diamond, Heartlight, that climbed the charts to number five. On My Own with Patti LaBelle, Michael uh, McDonald, 1986, hit number one. So, I mean, I'm looking at these songs, just absolutely incredible. Also uh, uh, wrote uh, for Elvis Costello as well. So clearly one of the absolutely legendary composers. 
as he was uh, referred to, someone said uh, in one of the in one of the articles about him, he was a velvety smooth composer, orchestrator. With lyricist Hal David brought swanky sophistication to pop music in the 60s. 50 top 10 hits. Amazing. I'm just looking through some of the other uh, artists that he wrote for. Perry Como, Dusty Springfield, Fifth Dimension, Herb Alpert, Tom Jones, The Carpenters, B.J. Thomas, Alicia Keys. Received eight Grammy Awards, including the organization's Lifetime Achievement Honor in 2008, nominated 21 times. In 2011, Burt Backrack held David given the Library of Congress's Gershwin Prize for Popular Song. Backrack, I didn't realize this, won two Academy Awards for his composing work on Butch Cassidy and the Sundance King in 1969. Best Song for Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head and Best Musical Score won the song Oscar, um, won the Oscar for the song Arthur's Theme in 1981. Let's see. Interesting. He actually had early dreams of becoming a football player, but acquiesced to his mother's wishes that he take piano lessons. The rest was history. He was drafted into the Army during the Korean War, so he was a veteran. Shipped to Germany, he became an acquaintance of singer Vic Damone. He toured Army bases as a uniform concert pianist. And, of course, comes back to the States and writes songs that, again, hit after hit after hit. Most recently, Backrack worked on projects with Daniel Tashian, Stephen Sater, that earned Grammy nominations in 2021 and 2022, respectfully. Amazing. Asked by a reporter what he would most like to be remembered for, Burt Backrack responded, and I quote, I was a good father to have kids that late in life. Everything shifts, the whole value and the importance that they bring to your life and the value in it. That's what it's all about. Now, he probably, in addition to the tremendous hits that he was known for, he also was known for his seven-year marriage to Angie Dickinson. And back in the 70s, Angie Dickinson was the hottest fox around. Played in the TV show Police Woman. Everybody wanted to be with Angie Dickinson. I think Frank Sinatra was with Angie Dickinson. Rumors were Johnny Carson was too. I did not know that. I did not know that I banged Angie Dickinson, but apparently it I did. Yes, that is correct, so great, sir. Now, when Angie Dickinson and Burt Backrack were married in the 70s, they did several commercials for Martini and Rossi Vermouth. Here are the commercials. Here's the first one. Hi, I'm Angie Dickinson, a girl who likes things with character. That's why I like Martini and Rossi Red, the wine with a character all its own. It's great at parties, before dinner, anytime. Because the taste is light, it doesn't overpower you. Speaking of characters, Bert, what do you say to Martini and Rossi? Yes. <laughs> yes, to Martini and Rossi. Now, I was maybe 10 years old, 11 years old when that, those commercials aired, but I remember the tune. Say yes, say yes, Martini and Rossi on the rocks, say yes. How'd you like to come home to Angie Dickinson every night? Oh, show wing. Here's a second commercial that featured Burt Backrack. Hi, Burt Backrack here. You know, I finally found a drink that's good anytime. Martini and Rossi, dry on the rocks. <laughs> <laughs> 
just right before dinner, great at a party, refreshing anytime. And the taste never overpowers you. It's a wine with a character all its own. Right, Angie? I think you both have a lot of character. Say yes, yes, to Martini and Rossi on the rocks. Say yes, yeah, yeah. Say yes, Angie Dickinson, please come to the Pleasure Palace. Say yes. She's actually, I think Angie Dickinson now, Burt Backrack passed away, he was 94. I believe Angie Dickinson is 91. She was featured on a CBS Sunday morning package, oh, maybe about a year or two ago. I think two years ago. And uh, fascinating. Still spry, still with it. Even at uh, her advanced age, still looks good. But back in the day, she was a smoking hot fox, total dame. Every man in America wanted to be with Angie Dickinson. And if you go back and look on YouTube and you do a search Tonight Show, Angie Dickinson, whenever she appeared on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, there was a ton of flirtation going on, primarily with Angie. She really had the hots for Johnny. So quite, uh, quite amusing. And if you get a chance, look up the, uh, do a Google search, CBS Sunday Morning Angie Dickinson, you'll be able to watch that. But Burt Backrack, truly an American legend, an American original, passing away at the age of 94. Rest in peace. His songs shall live in eternity. That is for sure. And you have a chance, go to Apple Music, Spotify, whatever music service that you uh, happen to subscribe to, and take a listen. Some incredible hits with incredible artists. In fact, I I just created a playlist on Spotify called Burke Backrack and put all the songs between Dionne Warwick and Tom Jones, Engelbert Humperdinck, Fifth Dimension, all the great artists that he composed for. So do that and uh, some good, easy listening music. Great, uh, great music for when you have the dames over and are ready for horizontal pleasure maneuvers. All right, with that, we shall wrap it up. As always... Our day, the general saying, Mayor Humidor always be cool. Mayor Cutter always be sharp. Mayor Anderson, extra, extra long. Semper Delictatio, always pleasure. Long live the alpha. Make masculinity great again. Screw the enemies of pleasure. Screw the Chinese Communist Party. They are our enemies. It is time we wake up. They are not our friends. Buy American. Make American. Be proud to be American.